0: But my mic is not on. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing. In all things, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the God of all peace will guard your hearts uh, and minds in Christ Jesus. What an incredible promise this scripture is. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding shall guard, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then this verse today, finally brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right or just, whatever is pure Whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's anything of excellence, if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Fix your mind on these things. Meditate on these things. The things you have heard and learned and received and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace shall be with you. The Lord is near. It's the God of peace that gives us the peace of God. And that's why that first truth is so very, very important. The Lord is near. We've been talking about Paul's prescription for uh, anxiety. It was a powerful prescription for him. It has been for believers through the centuries, and, and, and we can claim it for ourselves. It's in Philippians 4. That's where I was just reading Philippians 4. Today we're going to look at verses 8 and 9. The Lord will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The Lord is doing the guarding there. But in this next verse, it's as if he's reminding us of our responsibility to fix our minds on these things, to meditate on these things. C, that was the first letter in calm. That we're seeking for with this prescription C to celebrate God's goodness his greatness his sovereignty no matter what makes us makes us anxious he in truth is still on the throne amen calm a ask him if he's near ask him ask him for help uh, make your request known to the Lord it says make your request known to God Ask, and then L, leave it with him. We talked last week about casting our anxieties on him. Do you remember that, that image from across the room? Was Dave Dietrich an amazing caster or what? Oh, my gosh. Uh, but that idea of transferring the weight from you holding on to this and with thanksgiving, that, that, that's the key trigger. That's what turns that burden loose. Thank him as if it's already yours. And the truth of the matter is, if you asked, he's already dispatched, right? The Lord is already in the process of answering. Trust that. Let that release you to put it on his shoulders rather than carrying it on your own. But but though now you you have emptied yourself of your anxiety by casting it, that leaves a void behind. And a void is always something that tries to fill itself, right? you're no longer thinking about your anxieties and your concerns you've cast them to the Lord but what's flooding your mind now you know the truth of the matter is that you can actually choose that meditate on these things choose to meditate on these things maybe you've seen one of these guys on the next screen you've traveled overseas do do you remember that guy with the gloves don't don't they all Pretty much have that attitude. Can you pick up on that with this guy? Would you tell this guy a joke? I think this guy is all business, isn't he? He he is a customs agent, and these guys have a way of asking you very important questions. You don't want to get wrong. The first one is usually where are you from? Where are you coming from, sir? Or and what's your business while you're in country? And then. Are you whom you appear to be? Do you see him checking the ID there? Uh, There's a lot of thoughts that press into your mind that seem very real. Do you check their credentials? Do you ask them where they're from, or more importantly, who they're from? Paul tells us that we are to be the customs agents of our own mind of our own thoughts and and sure enough if there's something found in that bag that's an all suspicious all of a sudden the one customs agent becomes a team of customs agents you ask the same you answer the same questions all over again it's obvious that you're outnumbered and should you not answer the questions correctly uh... like is your entry a threat to preserving the peace ever asked that of one of your thoughts is thinking about you a threat to my peace? Or, or is your entry lawful? Is your entry lawful? In 2 Corinthians, is it 10 verse 5 or 5 verse 10? I always get that mixed up. I think it's uh, 10 verse 5. Turn there with me, if you will. Paul tells us there that, uh, that our minds, the thoughts that we have... Are not just this stream of consciousness over which we should exercise no control He is pushing for mental borders here You know In uh, In other words, we are basically the customs agent of our own minds That's 1 Corinthians, that's why I'm not finding it there As 2 Corinthians 10, 5, reads this the way Uh, Let's start in verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. God tells us this is true, but our circumstances are screaming, don't trust that, because this could be true. That's always been Satan's strategy. Hath God really said, said the serpent. We are destroying speculations of every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Why to the obedience of Christ? Because Christ rules your heart, right? He's in charge here. And any thought that comes into my mind has to submit to the law of the truth of what Christ has already said in me and over me, right? If it disagrees with that, then then it's untrue. And I have to recognize it as a lie. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now, every time I've read that in the past, I always thought about, well, of course, take every sinful thought, every uh, revengeful thought, every lustful thought, I've always thought of it in terms of taking thoughts captive that would tempt me or guide me to sin. Taking those thoughts captive. But I'm hearing it in a new vein today. Take thought those lies that steal your peace. We, we are to be the mental customs agent. Now, did you see how, what that take captive looked like? It's, in other words, arrest. I think the actual language recalls in the Greek the idea of a soldier leading someone at spear point to the jail. Take captive that thought. Every thought is not just to run amok in your head. And, and most thoughts are triggers to create more thoughts. And so, if you dwell on the wrong kind of thought, it it can it can uh, proliferate. It, it can get away from you. Oh, well, the doctor called. He says he wants me to come in and to come in tomorrow. Come in tomorrow. Well, the test must not have gone well. If the test don't go well. Then then, oh, who's going to take care of the kids? If I'm not here to take care of the kids, and if I'm not taking care of the kids, then then, you know what's going to happen to the house, and is my estate in order, and you know, and before long, I'm the only one that does that. (laughs) Okay, Take, take every thought captive, because they can bully the peace of your heart, and the Lord of peace lives in you. The Lord is near. This morning, I, I, I want us to look very intentionally about picking what we ponder. What do we fill our, our minds with? What, what are we giving permission to develop uh, in our imaginations? Paul had to pick what he pondered. Now, this verse first read to me like uh, so much Bible Christian Blah, blah, blah. You ever come to one of those verses you don't really pay attention to? Because it's just so, so um, beautiful and, and uh, uh, heavenly that you just rewrite past it because it can't relate practically to a Joe like me. You know what I'm talking about? I'm the only one that does that too. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, here it is, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true... Whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, let your mind fix on these things, dwell on these things, allow these things entry, and let them entertain your mind, but take every thought captive. Every thought has to go through your customs agent and, and be discerned for, for what it is. Now, I know that describes all the thoughts of your mind. Oh, are we going to be real this morning or what? Right? Uh, my every thought is the thought of, of, of truth and honorable and right and pure and lovely. And then, by then, I'm in a fog. You know, this obviously doesn't always apply to me I just hope every now and then it applies to me I'm not a very good uh, customs agent of of what I think in fact most of the time my thinkers just on autopilot maybe yours is too Paul is suggesting something else Let's be intentional about what, what we focus on. Paul lifts up this idea of focusing on truth. Now, what I'd like to do is to take this word, this, this verse, and kind of apply it practically to Paul's circumstances and what we've already heard from him. We've read this whole book of Philippians, uh, and Paul's in a prison, he's basically on death row. He doesn't know how this is going to turn out for him. And yet, even under those circumstances, he's told the Philippians again and again and again, don't let anything steal your joy. Rejoice in the Lord always, in everything. Be anxious for nothing. What? Is that really possible or just Christian platitude? No, I think Paul was practicing this, and his letter proves it, or he would have already... uh, come undone really truth for lies now if you're not focused on the truth perhaps you are focused and you've let into the mental arena of your mind onto the screen of your mind some lies let me let me ask you how when people are telling lies about you how does that affect your peace ever had anyone tell lies about you misrepresent you Lies are disturbing. You know, people who don't know better hear a lie and assume it's true. They see it in print, and they assume even more that it's true. We hear the same lie two or three times, and, of course, it's got to be true. We, we know how people think. I don't know about you, but the time that I have lost more weight and worry has been when there was a liar in my world. It, it's, a, it's a full-on storm of anxiety, or it usually was for me. So did, is Paul switching the channel? How many of you have a clicker at home? Guys, do you rule the remote? Who rules the remote at your house? Huh? There have there, there been homes break up over this, haven't there? Right? Everybody wants the remote. Everybody wants to be the ruler of the remote. Are you aware that it's quite possible that you have given up the remote for your own mind? Let's reclaim the clicker. Okay? Uh, for our own brain. We can focus on lies, things that are untrue. Or we can focus on the truth that will never change because it's in Christ. Were people telling lies about Paul? <laughs> Are you kidding me? There were other Christian preachers that were telling lies. Didn't he talk about that in the first chapter? There about verse 17 or so? That even if they, 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 they preach uh, the gospel with lies out of envy, out of strife, they're trying, he says to actually create distress for him while he's in prison where there's nothing he can do about it ever had somebody tell a lie about you and you couldn't even get out the press of the truth you know what that is do you know that kind of stress it's unnerving Paul was in prison he couldn't defend himself in public whatever they said he was saying was what everybody thought he was saying Well, he was a guy that was in prison basically because he was falsely accused in the first place. The Jews had accused him of desecrating the temple because he took some Gentiles supposedly into the temple with him, which he didn't do if you check the facts. That never happened, but that was the charge and the Jews are upset with him so much so that they have to get him out of town for him just to survive. He's, he's hoisted out to Caesarea uh, by the sea and he's in prison there for maybe a couple of years because it was unsafe to release him because all those people they were telling lies about him. It got so bad that he finally realized he was never going to be free of that place or free of those lies. So what did he do? He appealed to Caesar. Well, how's that fried of the frying pan and into the fire? He chose Nero then to disguise, decide his case. Case Nero. How would you like that guy to be your judge? I don't even know who to compare him to now. This was a guy that killed his own mother because he considered her a rival. Killed his own mom, right? Killed his friends. This is a guy that was so full of character that he actually divorced his wife to marry the wife of his best friend. And his best friend continued to be his best friend. This guy is a winner. This is Nero. This is Nero who, for the sake of his own building projects uh, not being frustrated, Burned Rome and then blamed it on the nearest scapegoats who were the Christians. Whom, rumor had it, were haters of humanity. Haters of humanity because they would not endorse the orgies of the Roman culture. Haters of humanity. We still throw that word around freely. Lies. They can steal your your peace. So where did Paul go? What did he focus on? Well, in the very first chapter of of Philippians, there's this neat little phrase that he uses, with God as my witness. It didn't matter what other people said. God knew the truth. That's what he focused on. That he was fully known by someone who fully loved him. Right. That that, that was his peace. Regardless of what was being said, uh, those preachers that were lying about him and making a farce of the gospel, what did he say about them? Who cares? Only that the gospel of Christ be preached. If people are starting to get acquainted with Christ, I'll clean it up later. But more people are discovering Christ. So praise be to God. They might not be doing it the way I would do it, but look at what God is doing with it. We'll straighten those guys out later. Paul had an incredible ability to do what he's calling us to do here. Rather than focusing on lies, he focused on the truth. Focus on, he says, on what is honorable. Honorable. What's the opposite of honorable? I bet it creates anxiety in your life. What about what is shaming? Not what's honorable. But what's shaming? What's shaming? Got any things on on, on your heart that because of the shame they bring upon you cause you great distress? Paul mentions shame. First chapter, 20th verse. According to my earnest expectation and hope that I shall not be put to shame in anything but that with all boldness Christ even now as always be exalted in my body whether by life or by death. What an incredible statement. He, he, he had the potential of being shamed as a criminal, put to death for crimes he didn't do, for accusations that were inaccurate. He, he could have gone down as uh, that criminal in Rome rather than that one who had given up everything for Christ. He actually says, no, I'm not going to focus on what I might lose. For to me... To die is what? Gain. It's not loss. It's gain. And all these people that are here to judge me and, and perhaps martyr me for my faith and, and to kill me as a criminal, though, though there's shame in that. They're doing that proudly as Romans. Do you remember when he first came to Philippi? He was thrown in prison because of lies that he was anti-Roman. That was the farthest thing from the truth. He wasn't anti-Roman. You know who was saying this? These were the guys who ruled and owned the slave girl that Paul set free. He frees her of demons by which she's telling everyone's fortune. And they realize they've lost their means to profit. And so upset about that, they go before this proud Roman colony at Philippi, and in the the streets, in the crowd, they say, this man is a Jew, and he's coming against everything that is truly Roman. What, setting people free from demons, not Roman. Paul says, I'm not going to focus on what I'm losing. I'm going to focus on what cannot be taken away. I'm not a citizen of Rome. I'm a citizen of heaven. The only thing you can do to me is send me home sooner. I'm not going to focus on what I'm losing here. For everything that is gained to me, I count as loss for the sake of knowing Christ. And that is something you can never take away from me. I'm going to focus on knowing Christ. Even here in prison, Paul, yeah, especially there in prison. Focus on the things that are lovely, not on the things that are ugly. I don't know of anything more ugly than a prison. Anything more ugly than chains. Paul had to wear them every day. But he made them not chains of shame because of the way he thought, he embraced them as chains of opportunity. If you look in chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, Paul says that because of his chains, the whole praetorian guard, all those Roman guards, have come to know Christ. And at the end of his letter, he actually closes it this way in verse 22, and the saints uh, greet you especially, I can't believe you're calling a pastor in the middle of a sermon. (laughs) Verse Verse 22. Look at verse twenty-two of chapter four. It says, "And all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household." (laughs) And, And by the way, as I close my letter on the prescription to anxiety, I just want to let you know of all those people that are in Caesar's house that have come to know him. I haven't been changed to these to these guards. These guards have been chained to me, and every eight hours I get a new one. Every eight hours I get someone else that I can witness to. These chains aren't restricting my witness, they're guaranteeing who has to listen. They want to quit listening, they want to get up and walk away, wait, where are we going? They can't undo those chains, and Paul ends up using it for the sake of the gospel. What an incredible thing it is how we think. And, and how, what we focus on. How it can turn a situation completely upside down. But Paul's fate is not dependent upon Rome. Paul's known from the beginning. Ever since he was knocked off his horse on the road to Damascus. Go back and read that. And Ananias will tell him later that, a, that the Lord had spoken to him. And that he said that he and Jesus alone would let him know what he must suffer for the gospel's sake that he would go before Gentiles and kings and God would be the one that ruled his fate God would be the one that shaped his life there's nothing he's going through that God hasn't prescribed the beatings the chains chained up in a jail at Philippi at night all that was to show that God was really in charge he was guarding uh, uh, Paul's peace he was in chains but he's singing praises to the Lord with Silas they're having praise service on the inside you want to get rid of your worry get into your worship remember who is on the throne remember who is lord in your life worship for an hour and see what 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 worry can hang on to you your lord is so much stronger his truth so much more unshakable Whatever is of good repute, does the possibility of a bad report steal your joy, rob you of your peace? What the MRI is going to say? What the CAT scan is going to say? God's got more important news. News the world can't take away. You belong to Him. And when you belong to him, absolutely, he gets the last word. And sometimes those last words of the kingdom that's to come break into this world and take over. There's there's absolutely nothing God can't do. And if, if you're in a circumstance that's somehow threatening you and robbing you of your peace, turn to that God who loves you that much and can bring you through any storm. That's what Paul did. What's just? What's just? Let me ask you, when things happen to you or happen to those you love that you cry out in your soul and you say, that's unfair, do you realize that you can focus on that? You can focus on that and torment on that and avenge, think about that. You can turn that into a whole storm that takes you down and robs you of your peace. Or you can just say, Heavenly Father who guards my heart, note that I'm moving on. I'm gonna cast all my care on you and, and 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 you, Lord Jesus, defend me against what is unfair. I entrust myself to you. Let Nero do what Nero does. I'm gonna pour myself out to the very end as a servant that trusts you. I will be 217, a drink offering. Blessing my Father, no matter what this world is putting me through, I'll focus on what's just, on what's pure instead of what's spoiled, on what's lovely instead of what's ugly, on what's excellent instead of what's shabby. I count all things as loss for the surpassing value, it says, the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The fellowship of his sufferings. Well, whatever this world shall do to me, I, I know that I have a vindicator. And he will keep what I've entrusted him until that day. How many times in this letter does Paul talk about that day coming? That day when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. What? That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is the rule of this land. And God has staked His claim on this life. I belong to Him. I say in my life and in my mind, I'm going to let Him rule. So don't just pick what you ponder. Practice what you've picked. Draw your sword, the word of truth. The sword, the only piece of God's armor that's offensive. No fortress can stand against it because we're no longer just hoping nothing will happen in our lives and, and shrinking back as timid Christians. No, we trust the Lord so much that we're on the offensive in this word. We're drawing our swords to take down strongholds and lofty things, lift it up against the true knowledge of God. I'm going to trust the truth. And the God of all peace, so guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I'll focus on what's excellent, not what's shabby. Excellent, arete. It, it, was, it was that word the Greeks used for that, for that most winsome of Greek values, that that idea of doing not just what was what was passing, and not just what was required, but but going beyond it, that you would do what was excellent, that had a momentum and an impact all its own. Jesus said, don't just go with the man who demands you to carry his pack a mile, but go the second mile. Go the second mile. Surprise that Roman guard as he says, son, you've been with me a mile. You probably didn't realize it. You know, boys back in those days, they marked a, 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 a point from their house a mile away down every trail. And they knew when they got to that, I'd done my duty. I'd done what was required. And if that Roman centurion was asking me to carry his pack another foot, I have done my duty. It lands in the dirt right here what does Jesus say? He says, no, do the excellent thing. Do the excellent thing and watch it have its impact. Take that pack the second mile. Let that Roman centurion say, why is it that you serve me? Why is it that you're willing to do this that I'm not even asking of you? Well, Mr. Roman, let me tell you about a God. Let me tell you about a Lord who didn't just go the second mile. And he didn't just carry your pack. He carried your cross. He took your shame upon himself. And you can trust him. You can trust him. Trust in this Lord. Now, there's something important here for those of us who are intellectuals to grasp about this. Paul is saying that there is a battle for your mind and you must engage it. Right? But but even if you forget all of the tactics and taking these things one at a time and whenever an anxiety comes upon you, being able to realize what is the opposite of of that lie? What is the opposite of of that ugly thing? What is the opposite of, of, of that threat in my life that I can claim in Christ and that this world cannot take away from me? You can think that through. You you can intellectually anchor yourself in something that will stand the storm. And Paul is saying you can do that, but let me give you a simpler approach. Cling to Christ. Just cling to Christ. Abide in me. Let my word abide in you. Ask what you will and it will be done for you. Abide in me. Cling to me. What's true? I am. What's lovely? I am. What's just, I am. What's of good repute, I am. Cling to me. Cling to me. He was a doctor, and he had responded to the great threat of Ebola, one of the greatest plagues in recent history. And he knew the symptoms. He knew them better than most. And so when he started coming down with those symptoms, the the runaway fever, uh, the, the nausea, Uh, the unstoppable diarrhea all those things started happening to him and he realized that he too must be tested to see if he had caught this great contagion ebola he'd watched thousands die and yet he was there working against that death tens fifteens hundreds perhaps he had already saved but now could he save himself he took the blood test. He, he quarantined himself in his own room. He didn't want to share it with anybody else. And there alone, in his own thoughts, he cast it upon the Lord. He, he looked up in the Word, started reading in Hebrews. Hebrews that told him that he should make every effort to enter into the Lord's rest. Make every effort. He underlined that. In that same chapter of Hebrews, it said that he could come with confidence before the Lord. He was still on the throne, and he was still the Lord's Son. He could come with confidence before the Lord of glory. In his time of need, and he started doing that. He wrote that down in his journal and he closed his journal and he started praying. And sure enough, the results were disastrous. He too had contracted Ebola. He called his wife. He called his wife back in Abilene, Texas, and she was visiting with their two kids, her parents, and she got the news, and news like that just rocked her world. She dismissed herself from her parents, she went outside under that big Texas sky, sat down under on a low mesquite tree limb, and she tried to pray, but the words couldn't come. Have you ever been that anxious? You didn't even know how to pray. She she knew the likely outcome of this. Her husband was about to die. Can you imagine the anxious thoughts that started filling her head, but instead of filling her head with those anxious thoughts, you know what came to her? Now this, this is the meditation of the common man. A song. Great is thy faithfulness. O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. song after song, from the depths of her soul, from the time she was a child, beginning to f- flood her heart. And there, though she couldn't articulate a single prayer, she connected with God, filled her heart w- with those songs. Maybe you know this story. That, that's Kent Brantley right there. Amber's over there to his life uh, to his left. He came back to Emory University and there they treated him And there they overcame the Ebola and but largely because before he left Africa He got an injection of the plasma of others in Africa that were suffering with it so that on the plane trip back already his body was starting to attack with those antibodies this incredible scourge this Ebola he came through that he lived through that and today people take his plasma and treat other people with Ebola you understand your peace isn't just for you your peace is meant to be a contagion that invades this world and how are you going to hold on to that peace? I'll tell you how. You do what He did. You cling to Christ. You find a word of God and you pray the truth of that word no matter what other news you've heard. You trust in Him. You fill your heart with those things that fill you with faith and that cast out fear. You, you, you become the uh, custom agent of, of your own mind. You cast your cares on him and then you fill your heart and fill your mind with those things that not only calm you but give you a contagious calm for the rest of this world. Cling to Christ. That's what Amber and Kevin did. That's what Paul and that's even what Jesus did. He knew anxiety, he sweat blood and water. At Gethsemane, and what did he do? He took the action step. He prayed. He prayed and he cast his cares on his father. Lord, nevertheless, not my will be done, but thine be done. He trusted his father. And somehow God the Father got a hold of the working end of that cross. And He can get a hold of the working end of whatever is causing you anxiety, too. He can turn it to good. He can turn it for His glory. He can make it a witness instead of a worry. But will you cling to Him? Will you abide in Him? Ten times, John 15, abide in me, abide in me, abide in my love, abide in me. Ours is not to be fruitful. Ours is to hang on. This morning, you need to say, Lord Jesus, help me hang on. I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to hang on to you. And Father, you come and guard. You guard. You defend my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. You cast out the anxiety as I trust in you. You eliminate the worry as I worship you. You want a little bit of that? Take him as your Lord. You want a little bit of that? Claim him as your champion. You want some of this peace that passes all understanding? You will get the peace of God when you get the God of peace. Cling to him this morning. Choose him again this morning. Bring your worries to this altar and leave them here. Cast them upon your Father, and in everything, because the Lord is near, be ye not anxious. Lord Jesus, we we come to you because you are our champion. You are our defender, and we are your bride. And we fall into your arms this morning, Lord God. And as we do, would you free us of every worry and anxiety that was sent from we know who to rob us of our peace. That peace that passes all understanding because you are with us and will never forsake us. That peace that is not of this world. But is your peace, we can be of good courage because you have overcome this world. You are who is near. You are with us. We reclaim it afresh this morning in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let's chase the worry from us and from this place as we stand and sing and worship Him with this last song. Would you do that with me right now? And if this morning you would come to this Christ and become a member of this church, walk with those who will walk with you through any storm, we invite you to become a member of this church. Walk with us as we walk with this Jesus whose truth sets us free. Amen. You come as we stand and sing. I lift up my